This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. Our Friday Night Book Club became a refuge to us. A private freedom to feel the world growing darker all around you, but you only need a candle to see new worlds unfold. It's the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. Right at the start, before we get started, we wanted to mention, officially announced, we've posted it on social media, but in case you're just on the podcast, and we'll, we'll do this on some more episodes coming up before this happens, This Film is Lit is going to be doing its first ever live show at CapeCon, which if you don't know, This Film is Lit is based out of Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and we have a small local Comic-Con Used to just be called Cape Comic Con. Now they mm. just shortened it to Cape Con, which is a fun little yeah. portmanteau because it's a Comic Con, Capes, yeah. blah, 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 Cape Con. So, uh, Cape Con, we will be there. It is September 29th through October 1st, I believe. It's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't know. We do not know yet what day we will be, or like what time or day we will be doing the show. I'm sure we will know sooner than later. Yeah. At some point in the coming week or two, hopefully. Uh, because I believe you buy passes by the day. My guess is it will be on Saturday or Sunday. I don't know if they do much on Friday. I think it says Friday through Sunday, but I believe the yeah, majority of the stuff Friday is... Friday is like just evening, maybe. Yeah. And so there may we may... It's possible it could be Friday, but it would probably be Saturday or Sunday. So if you're a local listener, which I know we have a few of those, or uh, if, you know, you're somewhere nearby uh, and want to come down and go... It's a fun uh, Comic-Con. We've actually gone to it several times mm -hmm. uh just you know as guests in the in years past we competed in the costume contest one year uh as the doctor and river song and uh yeah it's a, it's a grand old time but we're going to be doing our live show uh once we have time we'll update you on that but check it out i believe it's capeevents.com what is the website i'm sure if you just go to facebook <laughs> and search capecon uh, or cape comic con you'll find it uh, it is cape-events.com. So C-A-P-E hyphen or dash events.com. And uh, there you will be able to navigate to the actual specific, because they do more that they do an anime con and something else. But CapeCon is the one we will be at September 29th through October 1st. They're going to have some guests there. Uh, Ross Marquand, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, among other people. So yeah, uh, come see us. We would love to see you in the crowd. Look out for social media where we'll be posting when that'll be happening specifically. Uh, and it's going to be a special episode, which will be fun. I don't know if we will announce that yet. I might as well. What we're going to be doing, instead of a normal episode, we're going to do a shorter little thing. So I don't, we don't know actually how long we're going to have either at this point. I assume like an hour probably. Um, but we're going to do a top five best and top five, or I guess bottom five worst <laughs> adaptations. Uh, so we're going to go back through all the stuff we've done already. And pick our five favorites or the five that we think, you know, kind of represent different aspects of interesting ways that things have been adapted. 
and then five of the worst adaptations that we've covered and kind of briefly talk about each and and that kind of thing to kind of give new people kind of an introductory to the show. At least that's the whole idea behind it. Um, instead of doing like a whole episode and that sort of thing. So yeah, should be a lot of fun. We will also be releasing that episode on the main feed eventually, uh, a, a couple weeks later, probably, um, once we do that. So you will be able to hear it even if you're not able to attend, but I think that's it for that. Katie, let's get right into it. We got a lot to talk about in the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. If you haven't read or watched it, here is a brief Summary and let me sum up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Uh, sourced from Wikipedia. Yes, and this is the movie yes, summary. This is the movie summary. Uh, there are differences between the book and movie, which we'll discuss, but I felt like it was none major enough for close to, enough yeah. that we could just go with one always, summary. It's always a tough call when to do two different summaries versus one. If their changes are big enough, we generally mm-hmm. do two. If they're smaller changes here and there, we generally just do one because it's, yeah. So here you go. All right. In January 1946, author Juliet Ashton is promoting her latest book written under her pen name, Izzy Bickerstaff. She has just been contracted through her publisher, Sidney Stark, to write stories for the Times Literary Supplement about the benefits of literature. Juliet receives a letter from Dawsey Adams, a Guernsey man who has come into possession of her copy of Charles Lamb's Essays of Elia and wants to know where to find a bookshop in England to buy another book by the same author. He tells her that he is part of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which meets every Friday night. Juliet sends a book by Lamb and his sister, Tales from Shakespeare, in exchange for more information about the society and how it came into being. Juliet decides she would like to write about the society and arranges to travel to the island despite Sydney's reservations. Upon arrival at Guernsey, Juliet attends a meeting of the society where she is treated as a celebrity by its members. Dossie Adams, Amelia Moggery, Isola Pribby, Eben Ramsey, and Eben's young grandson, Eli. Juliet is told that Elizabeth, the founding member, is overseas. Her daughter, Kit, is being looked after by Dossie and calls him dad. Juliet asks permission to write an article about the society, but Amelia reacts negatively to the idea. Instead of returning home as planned, Juliet remains in Guernsey to conduct research, telling the group that she is writing about the German occupation. Over the following days, she learns that Elizabeth had been arrested during the occupation and was sent to Germany, but that her friends are still hoping she will return. Juliet asks her fiancé, Mark, who is in the armed forces, to try to locate Elizabeth. Juliet's landlady tells her that Elizabeth was no saint, hinting that she had been having sex with the occupying German forces in exchange for luxuries. Juliet asks Dossie about the story, and he explains that he is not actually Kit's father. Her real father was Christian Hellman, a German doctor who had worked with Elizabeth at the local hospital. Hellman had been sent back to Germany and died when his ship was sunk. Mark arrives in Guernsey and criticizes Juliet for not wearing her engagement ring. He brings information about Elizabeth, and Juliet relays to the society the the news that Elizabeth had been sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp. There, she was shot and killed trying to protect a fellow prisoner. Juliet and Mark return to London, but Juliet is unable to settle back into her previous life. She breaks up with Mark and starts to write about the society. When her manuscript is finished, she gives a copy to Sydney and posts another to the society. Dossie reads her cover letter out loud to the group and realizes that Juliet has broken up with Mark. 
he decides to go to her and departs for London. At the same time, Juliet arranges to return to Guernsey. She is just embarking on the ferry when she notices Dazi on the wharf and the two reunite. Dazi is about to ask Juliet to marry him when she interrupts to ask him the same thing. He accepts. Sometime later, Dazi reads to Kit from Tales from Shakespeare with Juliet next to him, both Dazi and Juliet wearing wedding rings. There you go. There's your summary of the Guernsey Literary Society or Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. I have a bunch of questions because I want to know, was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? All right, so we're going to get right into it uh, with my questions. And uh, we're, the film opens up. We find out where this name came from, which is very fascinating to me because I, I had been wondering. So the name is, uh, as Sydney says later in the film, a bit of a mouthful, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. And the scene we see in the film that presents where this name came from is that uh, the group, the, 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 the group that we come to know as the society, this literary society, which is um, Elizabeth, Dawsey, Eben, and Isola, I believe, in this scene. I don't think Juliet's there because it was at her house. Or not Juliet, um, Amelia. Amelia, yeah, she's it was not at, there because it was at her house. It was house. at her yeah. house, so they're coming back from her house, the four of them. Uh, and Eben is quite intoxicated, but they're, they're wandering home and they get stopped by Nazis because Guernsey has been occupied at this point. We're in World War II. It's like 1941, I believe. Guernsey is occupied by the Germans. And... They get stopped and they have to like because there's like a curfew and stuff and they have to say where they were and they say they were at like they're allowed. I guess they're allowed to go like to social clubs or something like that, basically. So they come up with this social club when really they were they were eating a secret feast. They had like found a, somebody had stored away, a, stowed away a pig and they had had a roast pig and everything and, and had kind of like their own like little, you know, Thanksgiving style feast. I say Thanksgiving, obviously. It's a blasphemous to <laughs> The, the people of Guernsey, I'm sure. But, you know, a, a, a little uh, celebratory feast um, kind of, you know, because they had this they had this pig. Anyways, they're stumbling home and they have to come up with an excuse and they say they were at a book club. And uh, during them explaining what it is, he says, well, what's the name of your club? I believe Elizabeth says the Guernsey Literary Society and or the Guernsey Literary and, and as she says, and Eben, who is quite intoxicated, just starts rambling about the potato peel pie he made. And he says, potato peel pie, because he, he had eaten it or whatever, and he thinks it's very tasty and something. And and she says, yes, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. I want to know if the name arrives like that in the book, because I enjoyed that, and it made sense. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the book club does come from this incident, um, but not the name itself. Uh, the potato peel pie part comes a little bit later on when one of the members brings a potato peel pie to a meeting. Um, but I did like this little change. I thought it was fun. Uh, and I also liked that the movie front loaded this scene as a way to tease the rest of the story. So the book does not start like no. with this scene, yeah. And uh, which I think it's also good because if you're a, a person like me who hasn't read the book, it, it gets that burning question out of the way right away. So you don't have to like sit there wondering <laughs> what the heck this name is about uh -huh. for the rest of the film. Um, so but you're saying the book club itself comes from this incident. So the incident is similar where they're leaving this secret. Yeah, they're leaving this secret. And they meal. say they were at a book club. They just don't have to give the name in that moment. Yes. Like they get stopped by yeah. Germans or. OK, but the name itself does not. I got you. OK, cool. So a similar scene, just not, you know, the, the movie just made the 
added the naming of mm-hmm. the the club to that scene. Okay, I think that works. So then we kind of get uh, the inciting incident for actual story is we we jump across the pond, uh, the channel to uh, the mainland of England, and we are or the UK, and we're we're introduced to Juliet Ashton, who is an author who writes under the name like Izzy Bickerstaff or something like that under the pen name. Right? Is it a, yeah, or is that a character? I, I it sounds a, like simultaneously it was a character or of, and a pen name. Yeah, I think it's kind of both. Yeah. Um, I because it, it was a it was originally like a newspaper column that she wrote. Okay. Um, like as the character slash under the name Izzy Bickerstaff, yeah. and then it got collected into a book. Okay. I guess that yeah, that makes sense. So she she's this kind of very successful author writing uh as Izzy Bickerstaff or writing stories of Izzy Bickerstaff. And her, um, as we, as you said in the summary, uh, her publisher, Sydney, is like, hey, you're going to write these articles for the Times or whatever, some newspaper or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, about literature, basically. You want to write like a literature column, like a literature review column or something like that. Um, not necessarily review, but whatever. And uh, she's like, ah, doesn't really want to do it. But then she gets this random letter from this guy named Dawsey who lives in Guernsey. Dawsey from Guernsey, who... Uh, had found one of her books uh, when they were raiding the stores of a of a, a burned down bookstore. Um, he found one of her old books and he really liked it. They had read it in their book club and he explains a little bit about the book club, like the name of it. He doesn't explain anything about it. He just mentions the name of it and that he really liked this book. And he's wondering where in London he could find other like another book by the same author, Charles Lamb. And this is the event that kind of kicks off the story and her interest in figuring out what this literary society is and what the whole deal with it is. Um, and she's very like taken with this with Dawsey because he he writes in a way that she's like connects with her immediately. And she's kind of very emotionally invested, like instantly in in their whole deal. Is that the same way that the story kicks like kind of the main inciting incident in the book? Yeah, this is all spot on to the book. Um, she gets the letter from Dazi. Her interest is piqued and they start exchanging letters, leading gotcha. her to eventually go to Guernsey. Gotcha. So um, when she's reading this letter, she then writes back and is like, yeah, absolutely. I'll get you. I'll send you this new book, blah, blah, blah. But she's like, I have three questions for you. And I can't remember what the first two are, but the most important one, because I, I wanted to know if this came from the book because I thought it was funny in the film. She goes, I have, you know, three questions, one, two, and then third, what is a potato peel pie? Because, again, he told her the name of the group, and she's like, what the heck does that even mean? Does that come from the book? Yes, it does. I'm glad she was also confused. I'm glad to know, <laughs> apparently. So that is literally just a thing that this Eben invented. Apparently, seemingly. yeah. I, I, I couldn't find that there was any, like, historical precedent for potato peel pie. Yeah. There probably is there to probably some extent. is to some extent somewhere. There's lots of, you know, uh, wartime and um, uh, depression era. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it, it sounds very like depression yeah. era, too. Like, you know, like there's there's pies made of yeah. like water and Hard like times food. Yeah, there, there are tons of recipes like that. If you go on YouTube, you can find all kinds of really interesting, you know, people finding old recipes from the depression era and war times and stuff like that that are just very, you know, it's like <laughs> we're going to make a pie out of. This thing you would never imagine making a pie out of. <laughs> and it's not going to be very good, but it's what we got. So there's a line that I really wanted to know if it came uh, from the book. And I read it as the intro. And I, it really stuck out to me because it's a really, I thought it was a really great line. And they're talking about how, uh, and I believe it's in one of the letters that he sent to her, 
how as the world grows darker all around you, but need you need only a candle to see another world, uh, which I thought was a very uh, poetic, beautiful line. And I want to know if that came from the book. I could not find this in the book. Um, I did a few keyword searches trying to see if I could get a line that was even close to this, and I did not find anything. So I think it is must be a movie invention. Okay. Well, good job, movie. <laughs> Uh, as Juliet is getting ready to head to Guernsey, we're introduced to her American boyfriend. Uh, they're at like a jazz club when we first see them, like an underground kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. speakeasy kind of deal. And uh, he's an American, I believe, diplomat, they say. I don't know. We don't know specifically. He seems like a fairly important military e yeah, guy. Yeah, he does military stuff. But he's not like a soldier or general. They, I think pretty sure they specifically say diplomat, I think. I don't so remember I, that. I could be wrong, but I thought somebody said he was a diplomat at some point. But he's he wears a uniform. Yeah. He's in the military. To, yeah, I don't capacity. remember what the movie... Because in the book, he's just, like, a rich boy. Okay. So that's quite different. Like, well, I mean, he he's a boy with a rich dad. Okay. Uh, which I think we can imply... <laughs> we can infer that in the movie as yes. well. He seems to be a, a he man seems who to be has... well off. Who, who is both well off currently, but also seems like the kind of guy who who comes from money yeah. like he has he's that air about him money <clears throat> yeah he's used having to nice having things. nice things it seems like um <clears throat> and i wanted to know if the american boyfriend uh, that juliet has comes from the book and if he proposes to her right before she runs off to guernsey because that definitely adds some some interesting stakes to the film so uh, mark the american boyfriend is from the book he does ask Juliet to marry him. Uh, he asks her a couple times in the book, but she never actually says yes to him in the book. She uh, she has nerves about that. Um, and so she kind of just like keeps putting him off for a while, saying she needs to think about it um, with it, but eventually does tell him no and breaks off the relationship. Okay. I, like I said, I, I thought that was interesting. I liked I think having her say yes in that moment makes sense. He does do the kind of shitty public proposal thing. Yes. It's yeah. not like, you know, it's not like a super yes. public proposal, but it is in public. Um, you know, he's not like on camera or, so, you know, it's not like the most public proposal, but it is on a street with people around. Um, like as she's getting ready to get on the ferry to head to Guernsey. Uh, but I, I like having her say yes. And then that kind of weighing over. Uh, well, then I guess that gets to my second question. Assuming she never says yes in the film, we see her. She he gives her this gigantic engagement ring after she says yes. And when she arrives in Guernsey in the film, uh, the first person she interacts with, which I believe is the well, not the first person she interacts with. But once she gets to the like little bed and breakfast type place mm -hmm. she's staying at, um, she, the, 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 the woman who runs that establishment uh, kind of sees the ring and gives her like some side eye because it's this gigantic you know gaudy ring and they're very you know this is a a rural like yes. small uh these are people these are uh you know people it's of the land salt of the earth salt of the earth people yes and uh so this big flashy ring she takes it off in this moment um and you can read that for a couple different reasons obviously she's a, you can tell she's a little unsure about the whole engagement mm -hmm. uh when she says yes but I, you it seems like she wants to marry this guy and everything we've seen of him he seems like a perfectly yeah. nice guy um and but you you know there's a definitely the the very immediate thing of like one she wants to keep it safe but two i think the thing i read most in that scene is that she doesn't want to feel like she's rubbing it in these people's faces yeah. or that the, it's going to be like weird it's going to be this thing that she has to explain or like hide or like be weird about. So she's like, I'm just going to not wear it while I'm here. That'll just be easier than, you know, than trying to kind of like 
deal with everybody seeing this giant ring that I'm wearing. Uh, and in the film, this also kind of leads to the fact that when she then meets Dawsey and stuff, obviously he has no idea that she's engaged. She doesn't tell him uh, or any of this sort of thing. Uh, and she's not wearing a ring, so he has no way to kind of know that. Uh, and I wanted to know if any of that played out similarly in the book. And it sounds like probably not. Yeah, no, all of that is a movie edition. She doesn't have an engagement ring in the book. I do think this is like an interesting added wrinkle yeah. to the story. I thought it made a lot of sense mm -hmm. and kind of adds some... Again, adds a little bit of drama to the whole love triangle that yeah. we end up getting. Yeah, and I think it is a good indication that her and Mark aren't really like, you know, like yeah. he seems perfectly nice and we do see her having fun with him yeah. at different points. Yeah. But the the ring is so not her. Yes, it's, it's this it's big, him. gaudy, like, yeah, obnoxious thing. Uh, and he is very much a, a, a you know. He, he has money and he likes to spend it. Whereas you can tell that's not, she, not that yeah. she doesn't enjoy that. She just doesn't, because she does buy herself is. a big, nice, a fancy, nice dress in the opening of this movie. Uh, when they go out somewhere, they go mm -hmm. to some party or something. She's where she like sees this dress in the window and buys it for herself. And she has lots of money, but it's not something she's particularly cares about. Uh, so once she finally gets to the uh, Guernsey Literary Society, after she kind of meets everybody on the island, she goes to the first meeting and everybody is people are a little cagey at first or specifically Amelia is a little cagey. But then Eben shows up and he says, well, you got to get the full experience. And he has his potato peel pie with him and he explains it's just potatoes and potato peels. And that's it, because, uh, again, it's from the war and that's all they had. And she tries it and they're like, isn't it terrible? And she's like, oh, my God, it's terrible. And she like kind of like <laughs> coughs. And I'm like. Isn't it just potatoes? <laughs> like, yeah. I guess without any salt yeah, or without, anything else. Like any salt or butter. It's not going to be like particularly good. It would good. be bland. It would be bland, but it wouldn't be like, yeah. like gross, would I wouldn't think. Like, it would just be like, yeah, that tastes like unseasoned potatoes. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> again, I just thought it was interesting. And I wanted to know if it's ever mentioned, you know, do they hate it in the book? Because it seems like everybody, it's kind of like a joke. It seems like he probably doesn't even really make it anymore. Like he made it that one time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Just wanted to know how that relates. Their opinions on potato peel pie in the book versus the film. Well, in the book, they actually say that it has become a favorite of theirs, uh, that they, they're fond of the potato peel pie, at least. But they also say in the book that they use beet juice to mm. add sweetness to it, which I have to admit doesn't sound great to me. Doesn't sound ideal. Doesn't but, sound fantastic. But, uh, you know, I'm sure it's fine. Like, whatever. Um, yeah, and he very specifically in the movie, I believe twice, says that it's just potatoes and potato peels, yeah. and that's it. Because he uses the potato peels like the crust and makes, makes like yeah. a lattice with them yeah. on the top. Yeah, and then, yeah, just the rest of it's just like potatoes or whatever, but interesting. Okay, because, yeah, in the movie, the other thing is like they're like, you're going to want some gin very quickly after they like wash it down <laughs> with gin, but anyways. Uh, so the, she has tried to potato peel pie now and she uh, has is part of the club. And so she wants she tells them that she's come because she's interested in society, but she also wants to write about them uh, for the, the Times or whatever, write an article about them because she just finds it so fascinating and, and about like the way, you know, literature played a role in their in their lives during the war and all that. She thinks it's like a very, you know, compelling story to tell, which I would agree it is. Um, but Amelia specifically, who is the the matron of this group she mm -hmm. is like the uh in a much uh, she's like an older woman i would say probably in her like 70s maybe something like that if i had to guess um and she is not down for this she basically immediately kind of puts the kibosh on 
Juliet writing about their group in the newspaper. And I wanted to know if that plays out similarly in the book. Initially, I had a different reason for why I thought she was acting that way. Like, I originally thought it had more to do with um, she was going to end up having this resentment about, like, mainland people versus the because like guernsey was occupied right and like main obviously mainland britain had their own issues during when there's lots of bombings and so like it's not like they had a grand swell time while while guernsey was like under the boot or whatever um but i was wondering if it might have been more of like that motivating it originally like you you know you londoners didn't you know you don't know what we went through kind of thing uh turns out to not be that and we'll get into what it actually is later um, but I wanted to know if, if Amelia shoots down the article, and if so, why? So this this whole part of the story plays out differently in the book. So in the book, Juliet doesn't actually go to Guernsey until after she's written the article. Um, and at that point, she realizes that she might want to write a book about them. Oh, so she initially well. writes it just through correspondence? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Before arriving, she exchanges quite a few letters that's like the whole first bit of the book it's just her exchanging letters with the main characters as well as with several other like various guernsey residents does she tell them she's her. writing an article yeah. she does and yes. they seem okay with yeah, it they, they, yeah they seem including okay with amelia it. or yeah okay. well amelia it's she amelia is initially a little bit hesitant um because juliet's izzy bickerstaff character is kind of like flippant and humorous like that's the approach of the the Izzy Bickerstaff columns, um, and she's like, "Well, we don't want you to write about us if you're gonna like treat it like, yeah, like you know, we, if you're not gonna take it seriously, right, yeah. then we're not interested." And Juliet's like, "No, no, no, I want to take it seriously," and she sends her the Anne Bronte biography, mm. um, and she also gets two different people to write reference letters for her gotcha. to Amelia so that she can get a better idea of her character. But like the the nothing to do with the backstory, we'll find out later of why no. Julia or why uh, Amelia was concerned about her like digging into the group and and like reporting on them. No, none of nothing. Okay, no, nothing about that. Interesting. So they definitely amplified kind of the not maybe the drama, but the um some of the mystery and like the, yeah, some of the like underlying tension there. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So my next question was, because we're introduced to Kit here shortly after, and in current time, in the current timeline, which we occasionally get flashbacks throughout the film where we see the group during World War II, and uh, Elizabeth is one of the main people in the group, uh, and she's a younger woman who's played by Rachel, um, or just, just Findlay, what is, oh my god, she's got three oh, names and I can never remember, uh, Jessica, Brown, Jessica, Jessica Brown Findlay? Maybe. Something like that. Um, and she is one of these characters and she's notably missing from the current day group. And the only explanation that, uh, Juliet receives early on is that Amelia says she's off Island basically Mm -hmm. with no other, you know, expansion on that. Um, but Elizabeth does have a kid named Kit, a daughter named Kit who calls Dawsey dad. And so I was like, oh, I guess Dawsey and Elizabeth had a kid together at some point. Mm-hmm. And that will, we'll find out that is not the case uh, eventually if that's revealed. Um, but I wanted to know if, if the character of Kit, Elizabeth's daughter, uh, exists and if she like calls Dawsey dad uh, and if he's like looking after her while Elizabeth is off island. So Kit is from the book. And Dozzy does help with her a lot. But I believe in the book she actually primarily lives with Amelia. 
okay. if I'm remembering right. And I I don't recall that she ever calls Dazi dad. Okay. And that's just a small detail that, again, the movie adds that her uh, kit calling Dazi dad as a wrinkle kind of for the mystery. Because, mm-hmm. again, we think, oh, maybe it is her dad for a while. Right. And then it's revealed it's not. And then who her actual dad is becomes this whole plot point, uh, which is my next question. Next question is that when it's revealed that Dazi is not her actual father, uh, there was a different father. Surprise. It's Christian something German uh, who is... <laughs> Uh, was a Nazi doctor um, during the war who Elizabeth fell in with uh, and became friends with and fell in love with. And they had a child together, although he was unaware of this. He ended up getting shipped out shortly after she became pregnant because somebody found out about them or something. And he got. Yeah, he got carted off. He got carted off and and then got killed by a torpedo like immediately upon leaving, basically. So he died without even knowing that he had this this child. Um, but I wanted to know if that whole plot line of Elizabeth, uh, there's a name for it. I can't remember. It's probably really offensive uh, for <laughs> women who slept with, uh, occupying forces. But, um, I wanted to know if that whole plot line came from the book. Cause I thought that was interesting. Yes, it does. Uh, it does come from the book. Um, and, and a, a, a character, you Cause called because you called yes. him Christian the nice Nazi yes, he is, he in is, your question. Yes, because that is how he is introduced to us. He meets... We first see him. We first meet him through Dawsey, who is like helping Eben's cow give birth or something yeah. like that. And this this Nazi shows up, and they think he's going to be trouble. But then he like helps them. He's yeah. like, "Oh, I'm a doctor. I can help." Blah blah blah. And so he helps this cow give birth, and then him and uh, Dawsey like become friends kind of quickly. And then they run into Elizabeth, and Dawsey thinks Elizabeth's going to be really upset because she is very, she's like, she's like rabble rouser against the Germans. Like, mm-hmm. she is, she, we have seen her, like, go out and yell at them in the street and stuff. Like, she is not fond of the occupation or the Nazis. Um, but it turns out she's actually kind of had this, kindled this relationship with this specific doctor because uh, at, at the hospital or something together yeah. like that. Um, and so she had had this secret relationship with him. And so she, and so it's this interesting dynamic. But yes, he is a nice Nazi. Yeah. In the film. Um, and, and, you know, a, a character like that is definitely going to evoke a lot of different thoughts and yeah. opinions. Yeah. Um, I, I have to say, I do think that the book, I think the book handles it a little better because it is able to go more in depth and offer perspective from more characters. So you get like, you know, you get more like perspectives of like people who are not about it people who are like no he's actually a nice guy people right. who are like and we get a it little doesn't hint. matter we get a little bit of that in the movie it just happens very quickly yeah um like we get amelia being like you know they she elizabeth brings him to one of their meetings and i love that he's wearing his uniform it's like i feel yeah. like you would not wear <laughs> like, your uniform or whatever um but they bring him to one of the, she brings him to one of the meetings and amelia is very upset about the, they're all uncomfortable but amelia is like really upset about this and I like I think the the you're going to it was hard to handle either way, because I think in the film, um, if you go too much into it, y- you're going to run into more problems. You would have to spend it would have to be the whole movie, I think, yeah. to kind of handle all the nuance there. Yes. And so I think maybe just kind of like glossing over it is maybe the better choice for the what the movie's kind of doing with that moment. Um I mean, it's it is tough. It is one of those things where it's like it, it is un, there's it's, there's like conflicting things here between and I'm not a historian, 
between because it is you know you often hear the myth that like the common run-of-the-mill soldier had no idea what was going on they were just soldiers fighting for their country that is not true generally speaking um like it is there is at least from my understanding uh the idea of like the ignorant you know kind of um lufen whatever the soldiers were called um who had no idea about like the fact that jews are being killed back in germany and all this sort of stuff in the holocaust is like they were like oblivious to all of this that is not true you know there's really not anything that you can say other than that it's complicated because people are complicated you know it's the same reason that this kind of character is going to evoke a lot of different reactions it's complicated because people are complicated yeah and that's all you can really say about it yes and you can say like yes obviously you could have just uh deserted and blah 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 like yes you know there's a million things you can say about that and, and it is complicated i think the movie is like let's just minimize this kind of as much as possible and focus more on the aftermath of it and yeah. like the fallout of it and what it kind of means to the people around the situation as opposed to like the morality of the situation mm-hmm. itself, which I think to me makes a lot of sense again because it's yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's it is tough. And I don't know if there's a way you could do it really well unless it was literally the focus of the whole movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this. this yeah, dynamic that, I and don't like, know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't think we need to get too much further into that, but it is it is an interesting wrinkle in the film that kind of makes a, an interesting and, and maybe one of my bigger criticisms. Well, I don't want to say bigger criticisms. I will get into this, I think, later about like the way the movie doesn't really address much about the war. Yeah. It kind of really focuses on the these specific people in it. I, I think I could see people criticizing that. I, I think I would argue that's actually to the movie's benefit and as actually like a responsible choice by the film um and i think you have a note about it later so we'll get to it then we're talking about like elizabeth and her outcome and everything um i think the movie choosing just to focus on these specific handful of people and the and what's going on with them is maybe the smarter choice because it doesn't i i could i could be happy for some people to disagree but because it keeps the focus I think it, I again with what this movie is doing I don't think you the movie would be served or that there would be much benefit to like t- spending time examining like the horrors and the atrocities of the whole not 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 that obviously I don't think the movie needed to do that I'm saying it doesn't need to do that but I could see a criticism of like this movie's just like about a bunch of white people like falling in love and like mm-hmm. and oh like look at this handsome nazi and like blah like it's just like this kind of weird like almost tone deaf uh-huh uh is this the book what there was a book on twitter from months from forever ago maybe a couple years ago about somebody falling in love with a nazi and it was like this big uproar no i don't think so it's not this book do you know what i'm talking about uh i i heard not too long ago about like there was like a romance yes. novel yeah but I think the one you're the one that I'm thinking of was like a romance romance novel, like a oh, Harlequin okay, kind okay. of. But I don't I don't think there was an uproar about this. If there was, I don't remember. Okay, it. I'm just wondering because I just remembered there was some uproar about uh, a, a yeah a romance. Which this is a romance. It's just right. not like a yeah like, yeah. It's it's not a yeah. It's like, not a sexy romance. Right. Um, <laughs> And, and and I was wondering because there was a, an uproar about like somebody falling in love with a Nazi or something, and I was like, "What is?" And I was like, "Wait a second, is this the story?" And I, I think you're right. I don't think it is, but 
I think that was also more recent. This book's like 15 mm-hmm. years old or something like that. Anyways, point being, I think it, it think the movie makes sense and we'll get more into this in a little bit. So I'm just going to leave it there. But I think, I think focusing on just these specific people and kind of what happens with them as a result of these events, as opposed to kind of trying to like widen the scope and actually like account for everything the larger like yeah. uh, fallout of all of this I, I again i i think there's some valid criticism to the fact that it's like this is like a weird I, like it feels a little <sighs> well it, it's a, it's a very tight focus yeah is what it is and i i both agree and disagree with you because i think the movie by the very nature of being a movie does not have the time and does not have the scope to widen things out to explore more aspects of of the war and of the atrocities and of everything that went on. Yeah. But the book is able to go into that stuff more. Yeah. And and uh, we'll get to it in your part later. But I just I also do worry that if they had expanded it more, it, it, they would have. And again, I you're saying the same thing that like the movie couldn't really do this. Mm-hmm. But I think even if they had tried at all to expand it even at all beyond kind of what the movie does, I think it would have been really easy to, to be like, wow, that is really kind of missing the point of like like we'll just get to it later i did because i have more about this when we're talking about elizabeth's fate i don't want to yeah I, i'm trying to jump ahead and like my argument is more related <laughs> to that and so i don't I, we'll get to that later but um anyways point being i think the movie's choosing to focus on these people while i understand criticizing it because it feels a little like why why do like fucking okay yeah, yeah wow the atrocities that these white people on this island had to go through where they couldn't eat pigs for a month is like you know, pales in comparison to a lot of the other stuff that was going on during the war. Um, And again, even that I'm underselling the stuff they went through. I just, I think for what the story is telling, it makes the most sense to limit the focus and scope to that, because I think trying to get outside of that, you could, would not have enough time or the, uh, the story would not bear the weight of. Yes. No, I I think you're absolutely right. Kind of in in film format, the story could not, it would buckle under the weight of trying to explore more into what happened yeah anyways so uh we eventually find out in the film that amelia doesn't want the society written about because of kit because kit is the the daughter of elizabeth and christian uh the the nazi um they don't want uh, amelia specifically doesn't want juliet kind of reaching like digging into stuff and writing about it in case somebody were to find out about this somehow like christian's relatives because christian's only relatives at this point or sorry Kit's only living relatives at this point, uh, assuming Elizabeth is not alive, would be um, in Germany, yeah. like the you know Christians, the, the, Christians family, family or parents or whatever. Um, and so she doesn't want to lose Kit because Amelia has already lost so many people. She's lost her first daughter. We find out in kind of a tragic little side story th- or side kind of plot uh, that her her actual daughter um, was killed during one of the bom- well went into labor during the bombings and ended up dying. Um, and then the baby she was pregnant with also died. And then Elizabeth, who was her kind of adoptive daughter, uh, ended up, you know, goes missing and they haven't heard from her and she lost her husband. And so she's lost like a lot of people and she doesn't want to lose Kit. And so she doesn't want any chance that Juliet writing about anything could kind of like mm-hmm. turn up bad actors. Uh, is that element come from the book? Okay. So I know that this concern was brought up in the book. 
and now I cannot find it. Okay. Um, and I, I, but I don't recall it being an issue in regard to Juliet writing about the society. And I think the the outcome in the book may have been that they couldn't locate any of Christian's relatives anyway, so it didn't matter. Maybe, but I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. But I know that it was like mentioned, but it was not. Did not seem to be as big of a deal in the book as it was in the movie. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, I mentioned her earlier, but the Charlotte is the name of the woman who has a room that uh, Juliet is renting. And I wanted to know if she is the most absolute worst person in the world in the book like she is in the film because she's loathsome and I hate her. <laughs> and I want to know if that's the same in the book. There is a similar character in the book. Her name is Adelaide Addison. But I don't think Juliet ever actually interacts with her in person. Um, Adelaide writes to Juliet a few times before she comes to Guernsey to warn her about how sinful and terrible the literary society people are. Uh, overall, her character is treated as kind of like silly by the text. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's Adelaide. She's a silly old bitch. Yeah. Like <laughs> in the film, they're all like, she's the worst. Like yeah. everybody else in town's like, don't, you don't want to stay with her. She's awful. Uh, and this is actually the, the reason to spur this on is like, she was going through Juliet's stuff while she was gone. And ends mm -hmm. up finding something I like think. her notes of, or something. Yeah, and she's yeah. like, I told you not to write about blah, them. Blah, yeah. She's, she's being, she's like, they're all sinful and evil and you're uh, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And, uh, Juliet ends up storming out and that's where she ends up staying with Isola, who is one of the other members of the book, uh, the literary society. And they're kind of gossiping and laying in bed talking. And uh, she, they're talking about Sydney who Isola has assumed is who uh, Juliet is like with, mm -hmm. I think from just her, Juliet talking about Sydney and stuff. Uh, Isola assumes he, Sydney is her partner or whatever. And she's like, no, he's like my publisher. And she goes, oh, but he might like you. And she's like, well, if my name was John or William, he might. Uh, and she's like, and she goes, oh, and they kind of realize uh, that, you know, uh, Juliet is insinuating that he's gay. And I wanted to know if in the if that comes from the books, that was surprising or interesting to me. It seemed kind of like, again, this book's not old, old. It's like 2010, right? Mm -hmm. Seems reasonable. But I wanted to know if that plot element of Sydney, who is her publisher being gay, came from the book. And if juliet is like aware of this yes and yes um now i don't recall that the movie went into this but juliet and sydney are like old friends they're like childhood friends i don't know if it says childhood friends but she does at one point in the film say he's one of my oldest friends yeah. so i assume you know and yeah. she's also juliet is best friends with sydney's sister and that the is book not as well yeah the sister the does not make it into the movie yeah um so you know, they've been friends, like good friends, yeah. close friends for a long time. So I think it does make sense that Juliet knows this. Yeah. No. Now, I will say in the book, it is Sydney who comes out to Isola. Juliet doesn't like reveal that to her. Interesting. Okay. Well, and this is a question I had the whole time. So the w uh, this is an epistolary novel, right? Mm -hmm. It's all letters. And is it letters constantly changing from people, different people to different people? Yes. Okay. Because I assumed initially, for whatever reason, that it was all like Juliet's correspondence to other people, mm -hmm. but it's not. You're saying that there's... Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's mostly Juliet's correspondence, but there are letters to and from other people. Okay. 
scattered throughout the book, which is how we end up getting like different perspectives here and there. Right. Which and then that would be how this particular. Yeah. He wrote it in a letter that seems. He, I think. No, he, well, like, he at one coyly point. Coyly imply it or something. He at one point comes to Guernsey. Um, how do we get accounting of that? And uh, I'm trying to remember. Hang okay, on. Sorry. Oh, I'm because that that's something that's always interesting to me with epistolary novels like this, where it's letters. It's like in a moment like that, where if he goes to Guernsey and he's talking to these characters, I then wonder how we get letters of their interaction. <laughs> like, right. what, you know, that that's what's always really fascinating to me about it. So Sydney did tell Isola, and then Juliet relays the story to Sydney's sister Sophie in a letter. Which, and she does specifically say homosexual, which maybe you wouldn't have done that. I feel like you probably shouldn't put that in a letter about a well-known publisher, but. Maybe not, but, <laughs> I don't know. but it's fiction, so. Yeah. I'm not saying people wouldn't. I'm saying, you know, people make terrible decisions yes. about what they put in writing all the time. Yeah. I'm not saying it's unrealistic. I'm just saying it was a bad decision. Um, um. And then uh, Isola uh, responds very well to this. And she's like, how nice. I'll not tell a soul. You can rely on me. And then she starts talking to him about Oscar Wilde. Oh, there you go. You're gay. You like that gay writer, right? He, I could see him rolling his eyes <laughs> from across the pond. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about Oscar Wilde. The man I'm always forced to talk about <laughs> as soon as somebody finds out I'm gay. Uh, we then find out that Dawsey, and we found out earlier in the film that Dawsey was arrested at some point for assaulting some guy named Eddie, and we didn't know why. It is then revealed here at this point that the reason he was arrested for assaulting Eddie is that Eddie uh, is like this local kind of weirdo who informed throughout, was basically mm -hmm. an informant for the Nazis throughout yeah. the war, and specifically he informed on Elizabeth uh, that she was like helping... We'll find out here very shortly that she was helping an uh, an enslaved like a, a slave enslaved worker who that the Nazis were using to do like labor or something yeah. like that. And I don't know if it's ever specifically said who these like if they're supposed to be. They're just there's yeah. people that they're they're indentured servants that the Nazis are using or whatever. They could be prisoners of war. They could be you know. I think all the book says is that they were from Poland. So okay, so, so most likely Jews, but yeah, you don't know for you know, sure. Jewish people, prisoners of war, could have been yeah. anything. Could have been yeah, could have been uh, Romani people. You know, yeah. could have been lots of different people. The, the, <laughs> the Nazis did not uh, discriminate in their discrimination, or they did, but you know, they were pretty broad <laughs> in their discrimination uh, against people. But uh, so there's there lots of different groups that yeah, they they were doing terrible things to. Point being, there's she was helping this enslaved worker who had escaped, and she was like trying to help him get away. Uh, and this guy, this Eddie guy, informed on her, and Dawsey uh, attacks him in the pub and slams his head into the counter and beats the shit out of him, and then he gets arrested for that. I want to know if that came from the book. Yes, all of that comes from the book. That was a fun, uh, scene. including him slamming his head into the bar over and over. <laughs> there you go. Good job. <laughs> I love I love Eben was like, uh, that was a good night or whatever <laughs> when he's recounting that story. He's like, it was a good, it was a good time. Uh so is we then uh I mentioned it, but Elizabeth, I wanted to know if that's the same thing that happens. Was Elizabeth arrested for helping uh an enslaved worker or an enslaved person escape? Or, you know, they they had already escaped. Was she arrested for helping an escaped mm -hmm. enslaved worker? 
Yes, that is why she's arrested. And I'm trying to Google real quick because they call them tote workers. I have no idea book. what that is. A T O D T. Civil and military engineering organization in Nazi Germany, named for its founder Fritz Tote. There's okay. organizations responsible for a huge range of engineering projects, both in yeah, Nazi Germany they, and Yeah, because they bring territories. them, they, they cart them in to Guernsey to do manual labor to build, like, the barracks and, and the, the lookout towers and stuff like that. Uh, organization became notorious for using forced labor from 43 to 45 during the late phase of the Reich. Uh, they administered all constructions of concentration camps to supply forced labor to industry. So, yeah, it was just yeah. basically taking prisoners and... So again, that yeah. could have been any could have been any any number of number people. of people. Yeah. Um, but yes, that plays out pretty similarly in the book. Uh, the one big difference is that there was another older man who was also helping this worker, but he he got arrested initially and then he got sent back because he was in a wheelchair. And it, it says in the book that they didn't know what to do with a prisoner who couldn't work. I feel like they probably would have just killed just him. Just killed him, but you would think, because that's what You happens. would think, because yeah. that's kind of the, a Nazi thing to do. Yeah. Um, but, sure, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's possible that in certain parts, like in, you know, yeah. I, in, not every single group of, they didn't just murder, every, you know, execute every single person on the street that they found. Um, you know, I'm sure in some groups they were like, well, we, you know. Yeah, whatever. whatever. We need we're laborers, just, and yeah. if you can't labor, we'll fuck, fuck off. We don't care. Like, you know. Right, and especially late that maybe they would have just been like whatever um but it's also i mean it's also to be fair a convenient plot point because it's through this person that she's able to find out like more details ah, okay. about why elizabeth got arrested and what exactly happened gotcha uh, so then as she's uh she's growing closer and closer to everybody she has been um kind of pushing off her return to the to britain and her reuniting with mark uh, who is again stationed in England as a U.S. soldier or diplomat or whatever, and Mark ends up deciding to show up unannounced, and he literally like walks in as uh, Elizabeth, or sorry, as Dozzy and Juliet are sharing kind of an intimate moment. She, mm. she Juliet has literally just asked Dozzy if he loved Elizabeth or like what he, you know, kind of implying like, did you love her? Do you still love her? Maybe you like me, kind of deal. Uh, you know, they're sharing some wistful looks and then Mark shows up on a coach. Uh, and I wanted to know if he shows up in the book because that felt kind of movie moment to me. Like that felt like big movie drama moment. Mm -hmm. Again, not that books don't have big dramatic. I'm just, you know, it felt kind of movie edition. It does feel very movie, but this actually does happen in the book. Uh, Mark randomly shows up right as Juliet and Dozzy are having like an emotional moment of sharing a heated glance. There you go. Uh, so then it is revealed he, the w one of the reasons he came, uh, and they kind of have a bit of a falling out and a disagreement about her. She wasn't wearing the engagement ring, and they have some kind of arguing about that, blah, 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 and about how she's been staying there for so long. Um, and then he reveals, you know, well, the reason I came is that I have information, because earlier she had asked him, using his, you know, contacts in the mm -hmm. U.S. military, to kind of track down and see if he could track down Elizabeth and figure out where she is or what happened to her. Uh, and he shows up and he has the information, basically. He hands her a letter uh, that reveals that Elizabeth was killed in a concentration camp. She was After she was arrested, she was shipped off to a concentration camp in Ravens something? Ravensbrook? Ra or Ravensbrook or something, something like, like that. that. Uh, which is a concentration camp in Germany. Uh, and while there, she was killed uh, or executed because she, uh, some guard was beating like a young girl or something. And she like stopped the guard and like hit him and they mm. killed her. 
I, I wanted to know if that that plot, if that all played out like that in the book. So that is the story of what happened to Elizabeth. Okay. That part is directly from the book. The way that it is revealed is different, though. So in the book, uh, a French woman named Remy, who was in the same camp but survived, writes to them to tell them what happened to Elizabeth, um, what became of her. Because she's, she's like, I don't know if anyone else is going to be able to tell you about this, so I'm writing to you even though it, it pains me to have yeah. to recount this um to tell you what happened to elizabeth and her recounting of it is explored far more in depth yeah in the book um and there's some pretty heavy disturbing stuff in that recounting yeah okay and, and i understand i understand why the movie cut this as per our discussion earlier and it's also like another character and you would have to do more explaining and introduce this additional character at the 11th hour of the story. I do think it took some of the weight out of this part of the story. I I, I don't disagree with that. I will say that I, I don't mind what the movie did because, again, it they focus on what has happened to Elizabeth and the effects it has on the people we're focused on. Um, and I, I think that's a smart choice, potentially. Again, I'm happy to hear counter arguments that if if they had gone into more harrowing detail of what happened to Elizabeth and her experience in the camp, I don't know if centering the experience of a British woman in a concentration camp necessarily is a good would be a good choice. And when I say centering her experience, I don't know if I think if we started, if we had this whole side thing where like during this moment where they're explaining what happened to Elizabeth, I was really glad in the movie that we did not flash back to the concentration mm -hmm. camp. Because I think that that would have, I, I don't think it's the right choice, probably, to go look at this horrible moment that happened to this one woman in a concentration camp and like look at the horror of this moment when we know all of the other horrible things that are going on as a society as the world we know all of the horrible things that have happened in concentration camps i don't think the movie needs to show that for it to have the weight to me and i think if we had shown any of that i think it, i think i could see the argument that it would feel it would feel um that it, I would feel that maybe it it sort of took the focus away from the more important aspects of the of all of the horrible shit that happened there to to focus on her story there or to even show it her story there or like what happened to her there like at all really do you understand what I'm saying like if if we're if 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 we're if we get like this big dramatic moment and I'm not saying this is what you wanted to see I'm just saying that if we had had this moment in the film where when they're telling the story of, of what happened to Elizabeth we flash back to the concentration camp we see this interaction where Elizabeth gets to like stand up for a little Jewish girl or whatever and like attacks the guard and then gets executed for it to me, that would feel a little like inserting I, I yourself in someone saying, else's yes. story in a way that feels, especially because this isn't true. Like this is all made up. Right. You know what I mean? Like it would feel a little like, I don't know if that's what we should be. I don't know. I see what you're saying. Okay. And I don't disagree. I think I understand why the movie cuts this. And I don't even think it's the wrong decision. 
I do think that, again, because of the nature of what the book is compared to what the movie is and the differences between the two mediums, and especially with the book being an epistolary Mm -hmm. and this part of the story being told from the perspective of someone else who was there rather than like an impartial third eye of the camera. That makes sense, yeah. I think it comes off as more potentially cathartic. I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe not the perfect word, but Maybe close. I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It comes across more as this is a person relaying something that happened as opposed to like the voyeuristic Yeah, camera. like glamorization yeah. of this like sacrifice yes. or whatever. And yeah. again, I don't even think that it's the wrong decision by the movie. I understand why the movie does it. And I think the movie is potentially better served for not going more in depth here. Yeah. However, this part of the book stopped me in my tracks. Okay. I, I stopped what I was doing. Yeah. um, Cause I was listening to the audio book and I was like doing dishes and doing stuff in Mm -hmm. the kitchen. And I fully stopped what I was doing at this point in the book and and just you know comparing it one to one the movie feels a little less weighty yeah no e- I, even though i don't think it was the wrong decision to cut that no i can see that totally that i totally get that yeah i can i can see that absolutely um yeah i think that makes perfect sense and i think you're right that having it be because it is this it is somebody else who was there telling their story about it and it yeah. wouldn't feel the same like you said i think voyeuristic is a good word for it uh, it wouldn't feel that way reading this this other person's kind of recounting of these events and, and some of the other stuff going on around it. And, uh, you know, without knowing what all was described in his letters and stuff, um, I think that I, I think there's merit to that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I just think. Th- yeah, I think we're I think we agree, because, I mm-hmm. again, I think from the movie perspective, I think because I thought about that, I was sitting there like when that scene happened, I was like, okay, are we going to go see this happen? Like, are, cause we have lots of flashbacks throughout this movie yeah. to different events that they're talking, let's start talking about something that happened and then we'll flash back and see the events as they happened. And I was like, when this started, I was like, Oh, I wonder if we're going to go do that. And I was like, Oh God, I really hope we don't. Cause I just mm-hmm. felt like it would have felt really wrong to me. Like I would have felt really weird to watch this again to me like focusing on this very specific tragedy in this pool of other tragedy in the film would have felt to me that would have felt more disrespectful than maybe anything than than just not showing it at all like to me i think it makes more sense than the movie's decision to kind of not really uh, go into any of the like or, or explore any of like the atrocities and the terrible things that were happening uh, it, because our characters interface with them slightly, like you know, we see the Nazis, we see some of the, the the forced labor and stuff like that, but really keeping that a little more surface level and focusing on the way that these specific people's lives were affected. Again, to me, it just kind of boils down to that thing of like f- making sure that that we're writing about the thing that that we're that we're telling the story that makes the most sense for the story that's being told if that makes sense and i think in this particular instance unless and again it sounds like the book maybe has more leeway to do this i just think in the film had they tried to expand the scope it would have felt disrespectful 
Whereas the movie kind of deciding to like, you know, all that stuff. This movie's not really about that. Mm-hmm. You know that you've you've read history books, you've seen Schindler's List, you you know whatever you you know about all this other horrible stuff that's gone on. That's the backdrop for what's going on here, and you're aware of all that, hopefully. And, and so, not giving us like a surface level kind of like treatment of it in this film, I think, was the right choice. I guess is 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 kind of where I come down on it. But again, I think I think what you said makes perfect sense for the book that having these other perspectives and it doesn't feel as voyeuristic or exploitative as I think it may have in the film. So, all right. Uh, next one, this is a specific line. I wanted to know if it came from the book cause I thought it was brilliant. Um, which is right after they find out that Elizabeth has died. Dawsey says, I'm going to go tell Kit, uh, that her mom's dead. And I believe Eben or somebody, maybe it's a soul or somebody says she's only four. What can she understand? And Amelia is standing at the window, looking out at Kit and she says, I'm older than time, and I understand nothing. And I thought that line really hit me. It's really good. Um, I believe I've heard people in my real life say something similar to that. Uh, and so it really struck a chord with me. And I wanted to, and I just, it really cut to the core of just how, how sort of cold and pointless everything can be and how or how it can feel that way a lot of times when you've had a lot of loss in your life uh and how like like yeah i've been around for like sure she's four she doesn't understand it but i i'm 90 and i don't fucking get any of this like what Mm -hmm. is any of this and i it just it's very succinct and it's very well written and i wanted to know if it came from the book I don't think this is in the book. Okay. Again, I did some, I did keyword searches. I could not find anything similar to this, but it is a really good line. Uh, so then uh, as she goes back, uh, eventually they kind of wrap up on Guernsey. She's, uh, Mark is like, all right, well, you did what you came here to do. You got to go back and do whatever. It's like, it's time to come back to England, basically. And she goes back and she kind of can't get back to her life it's just it all feels wrong and she ends up calling off the engagement and giving the ring back to mark and i wanted to know if and now i guess you said she never gets engaged but i guess in the book does she break up with mark Mm -hmm. how does that all happen because i will say this is maybe my biggest criticism of the film and i saw it's not a big criticism but a, a small criticism of the film that i did have was that this felt a little rushed and like, I felt like we need, and I understand why, because we're trying to, like, the most interesting part is all the buildup, and then we want to get to the the release, like, the payoff here. Mm-hmm. We know what's coming. We want to just get right. to that. Yeah. So, like, we don't want to <laughs> drag this out too long. That being said, it felt a little, like, all right. It crushed and in Just kind of, like, slammed uh-huh. in and just kind of happened. I will say, I thought this, the next scene that I have a question about was, like, handled beautifully, I thought. And we'll talk about that in a second. But... Does that play out similarly in the book with her breaking off the engagement slash breaking up with Mark? No, not really. Okay. Um, like I said, she de- she never actually agrees to marry him in the book. So we don't have a break off of an engagement. So in the book, after Mark shows up on the island, uh, he and he's been like continually badgering her to like agree to marry him, give him an answer, all that stuff. And like as soon as he gets there, he starts criticizing her for helping out so much with kit and he tells her to like he's like oh just buy the kid a nice doll and let's get out of here and she just immediately tells him to get oh, out Oh yeah, that's a huge yeah, uh, she's like get joke. out i'm not gonna marry you i don't even want to marry anyone like you 
leave. Wow. Okay. Well, then that, that takes me to my next scene. Then obviously this, my next question is, is not in the book. Cause I really thought this scene was great. Uh, the scene where she does give back the ring and they do break up. I thought was really interesting in the film and really well-written uh, and sort of nuanced. And I love the, the last moment of it cause I wasn't expecting it at all. Uh, and so I'm going to assume none of this is from the book, but um, he has this great line where she, so she, she calls it, she gives him the ring back and says, uh, blah, blah, blah. We're not, I, we can't get married. And she says, you deserve better. And, and I'm going to paraphrase cause I can't remember. I, I didn't write down the exact quotes here or the exact lines here, but he says something along the lines of, well, better than what I got and I'll have it, but not at this table. Good night. And he gets up and walks away and just leaves her there. And then she kind of says to herself, uh, goodbye, uh, goodbye, Mark, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back, and I was not expecting that. I really liked that moment. He comes back, and he kisses her on the head, and he says goodbye. And then I loved even the added little moment that he grabs the champagne and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I, that all was so fantastic to me. I really liked that scene. I assume none of that comes from the book. No, none of okay. that comes from the book. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I think that his reaction in this particular scene was maybe not entirely justified in the sense that, like, he I don't know if he handled it. I wouldn't say he handled it perfectly, but I do think his reaction and the way he handled this all was very understandable mm -hmm. in the moment. And it felt very real. Uh, and I, I think Mark's a very interesting character. I like that he, I have another note about this later. I like that he's not just an asshole, that he doesn't just end up being an asshole. And I really liked the little moment where he comes back and he kisses her and he says, you know, goodbye or whatever. I thought that was very nice and not expecting it. Um, I don't know. I like that scene a lot. I thought it was very interesting and we'll talk more about them later, I guess, but none of that's from the book. No. And you have more thoughts on this later. Too. I have more thoughts on Mark later. Uh, he's fairly different in the book. Um, but I, I do think that for the Mark that the movie gives us, this is a good scene. Okay. Uh, so do we get the equivalent of uh, a modern rom-com uh, or, or modern romance? You know, the Love Actually Airport Rendezvous. I don't, I've never seen Love Actually, <laughs> so I don't know if it even is in that movie. I assume it is. Uh, the airport rendezvous, you know, running through the air mm -hmm. airport to get to the your lover uh, because we get this great scene where Juliet is going to Guernsey and Mark or sorry, not Mark. Um, Dawsey decides to come to the UK to find Juliet after he reads her letter that he sent. She sent uh, and he realizes that she broke up with Mark and he's getting off the ferry and she's on the ferry and they, she sees him from across the <laughs> she's on the ferry and she sees him like in the crowd in the distance and she gets off and runs and is yelling his name and then he turns around and a big thing of luggage that's getting lifted up to being put <laughs> on the boat like reveals him standing it's a great it's just the quintessential airport romance rom-com scene uh you know sir but circa 1946 and i wanted to know if that came from the book, because I thought it was great. It does not. Uh, Juliet never actually leaves Guernsey in the book, so they don't have to have a classic rom-com rendezvous. Oh, okay. Right. Well, you said earlier she just tells Mark to leave. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I like that. I liked having her leave mm -hmm. and giving us a, it's, it's, you know, it's a little cliche, but I, I uh, enjoy it. This yeah. movie is what it is. Like yeah. this movie knows what it is <laughs> and it's not trying to be anything else. It is absolutely a, um, an unabashed and un, uh, unashamed uh, 
like period romance film mm -hmm. it's not trying to be anything else it's not it doesn't think it's better than it is it's like yeah we're just gonna do that because that's that's what this is uh and then we get the proposal which i i have to know if this line comes from the movie because i thought it was a fantastic proposal uh uh has written her something and he's like getting it out to like say it to her and he's like i just want to ask and she cuts him off and says, would you like to marry me? I'm in love with you. So I thought I'd ask, which is just an incredible proposal, in my <laughs> opinion. I just absolutely like just brilliant. And I wanted to know if that came from the book. It does. Uh, Juliet asks Dozzy to marry her and she does do it with that exact line. Fantastic. I, I thought that was great. I love <laughs> would you like to marry me? I'm in love with you. So I thought I'd ask. It's just I don't. it's so something about it just speaks to me like it's the way i like to write like mm -hmm. I, I don't know it feels like something i could have written i don't i'm not not to take i'm not gonna say i could <laughs> have written it but it's like the kind of thing that i would write i think uh or or say or whatever i don't know it just it really spoke to me and i i, I liked it a lot so all right those are all my questions for was that in the book i do have one question for lost in adaptation so let's get into that just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Wow, was it lost? Yes, yes, and I want to get unlost as soon as possible. So early in the film, Sydney takes her to look at apartments in the UK, in London, and uh, she's she walks, they open the door and she walks in, and she has this, like, flashback mm -hmm. memory, you know, nightmare kind of moment to a bombed-out building and then she like sees her uh, she's like my father's paperweight and it's like on a desk and she grabs it and then sydney storms in in a military military uniform and like pull because the floor is like collapsing yeah and he like pulls her back and then she like snaps out of it and is like back in this apartment that they're showing her again and i i was a little unsure of what because we don't really go into that too much she does explain later that her parents died in the war yeah and I assume that all this is is just a moment of like she just had kind of like a, a, a almost like a PTSD, like, you know, right. kind of flash to like the memory of her parents dying. But I was just unsure of is that all that was? Was it just kind of like her parents died and this is related? I, I don't know. I just uh, so I, I initially misinterpreted this as a literal memory and I, I spent like several seconds being like what oh um, yeah i don't I, think so no yeah i think it's supposed to be like a flashback like a heightened like flashback i think it's supposed to be yeah she walked thing. into this room and i think because it does she say that that was the the whole the apartment he shows her was literally the old bombed out apartment but rebuilt i i don't know i thought there was a line when they're leaving that she says something about it being like the same apartment building or something like maybe i'm wrong anyways um, but no, I think you're right. I don't think it's supposed to be a literal memory. I think it's supposed yeah. to be like a, it's like a, a nightmare -y kind of like. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know about her parents. I like, I don't know if that's supposed to be when they died because in the book, her parents died when she was like a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. When she was like okay. 12 they, and a car crash. So I, I think say. the movie just changes. Yeah. I that think then. the movie just changes. She that, very but specifically, I don't yeah. know if that's supposed to be that they died in this specific like in her apartment in this specific bombing or if she I just assume that's the case yeah is there a paperweight at all in the yes 
Her apartment does get bombed in the book. Like okay. it is destroyed in in like an air raid. Okay. Um and there is a recounting of a scene where she and Sydney go and like survey the rubble to see if there any of her possessions can be like picked out and saved. Um but it it was not as dramatic as what the movie shows. Yeah. And she does manage to save her father's paperweight in this scene in the book. Uh, although it looks different in the movie than what's described in the book. Okay, so maybe this is a little literal memory in the book. Maybe it is cuz so what I think for sure has happened cuz definitely or in the film um in the maybe it is a literal memory cuz what I think is and maybe do, do is there anything in the in the book about Sydney having served in the war? He specifically does not because he had broken his leg previously. Okay. Well then it's probably I don't know. Anyways, cuz he's in a uniform in the Yeah. Although I think it is it Sydney or Mark? Now I can't remember. It yeah, might I be can't Mark because it somebody be Mark. in a uniform, and it looked like a U.S. uniform to me. Yeah. Anyways, but I can't remember. I, for some reason, my brain thought it was Sydney, but maybe it was Mark. Um. Anyways, this might be kind of a literal memory. So for sure, in the film, her parents are killed in the war. I think because when she's talking to Amelia, Amelia's like, "Well, I lost all these people," and and it sounds and they're, they're like specifically talking about the war mm-hmm. and and um. Unless I'm misremembering this entirely. And I'm pretty sure Juliet says, you know, we, we all lost people. I lost my parents. And it's, to me, the implication was she means yeah, in, the, in war. the war. Yeah. One would think. Yeah, it's what it seemed like. Uh, and so I'm wondering if maybe the movie basically took those two things of her parents having died mm-hmm. and the scene of getting the paperweight and like in her bombed out apartment and like combined those kind of. And so yeah. it is kind of a literal memory, maybe, in the sense that because she does have the paperweight in the film, like she does definitely yes. did get it at some point from somewhere because she has it with her all the time when she's writing and stuff in the film. And so maybe it is supposed to be that her parents died in the war. She went to their apartment. And was able to rescue the paperweight and she has this like flashback to that moment of like going to their bombed out apartment after they died to see if there was anything left and finding her dad's paperweight and saving it. And if it is maybe Mark in a uniform, maybe that's how she, I mean, not how she met Mark, but like, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. It's interesting. I'd be interested to hear other interpretations of that. Cause I was a little unsure of what was supposed to be going yeah. on in that particular moment. Yeah. So it sounds like we're still lost in adaptation on that (laughs) one. Yeah. All right. Those are all my questions. It's time now to find out what Katie thought was better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. One of the first things that I noticed um, in the scene where they're uh, where the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society comes comes to glap. <laughs> I started writing it as glap in my notes. It's Guernsey Literary A G L A P P P P S glaps. Sorry, glaps glaps. Anyways, yeah. Well, so one of the first things I noticed in that scene is that the movie cut a character named James Booker and I get why the movie cut characters there are a lot of characters in this book mm-hmm. uh, and in the grand scheme of things it's fine uh, but I did really like his backstory mm-hmm. so he was a, a valet for a rich lord who had a vacation manor on the island and then when the Germans are coming and everyone is evacuating he 
helps he helps his boss like move all this stuff onto the boat and then his boss is like ah get on the boat we're time to go um and he has this realization he's like ah i could just stay behind and drink up all of this guy's wine instead of getting on the boat and going and continuing to be a servant basically and he does and then later on, uh, Elizabeth helps him fake his identity and, like, assume the identity of this lord um, so he can continue staying there. Um, and he won't have to register as half Jewish with the Germans because we all know what would happen with that. Right. And part of the way that she helps him do that is by painting a portrait of his quote unquote ancestor to hang up in the manor. Just a fancy old guy who kind of looks like him. Interesting. I just thought it was like an interesting little like side story. It's definitely a fun little side story. Absolutely. I did want real quick and I, I'll cut this out. I, if you want me to, do you pronounce that valet? That was how they said it in the that audio book. They say in the audio book. I always thought it was valet. It's, but yeah, it's hundred percent valet. In, in the audio book, they said valet. That must so... be a British thing. Like saying Van Gogh. Yeah. They say valet. Cause I, I thought I was losing my mind. I'm like, that's valet, right? Like that's, <laughs> Okay, I was just so confused. I'm gonna leave this in so that people, uh, yeah, other I, people who like, are like, did she listen, say valet? That's how they said it in the audiobook. I don't know, man. Okay, I was like valet because I noted that as I was listening to yeah. the audiobook too. I was like, huh? Okay. Yeah. I wonder that I must, that must just be a British. Yeah, that's thing. probably a British thing. Weigh in, Brits. Let us know. <laughs> So the movie truncates the storyline a lot. I mentioned that she doesn't actually go to Guernsey until like quite a bit into the book. Um, And I liked that the movie truncated the storyline, but I also liked that everybody already like knew her by the time she got to Guernsey. I thought that was interesting. Okay. I can see the flip side of that, which I enjoyed in the movie is that I enjoyed like the trepidation, like kind of like, we don't know who she is and like, do we like her? Like, I thought that was an interesting dynamic and like, I, 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 I thought that was a, I kind of identified with that dynamic and I'm sure lots of people have of like being like this new person kind of like mm-hmm. trying to fit into this group of friends or whatever. And I thought that was interesting, but yeah, there is that flip side of it. it is kind of fun that everybody knew her through her letters before she even shows up, which yeah. we get a little bit of with Dozzy. They yeah. feel that way, but yeah. Uh, Kit, the little girl, uh, so much less interesting in the movie than she is in the book. Yeah, she doesn't really do much. She doesn't really do much. Uh, She's kind of just in the background. Uh, In the book, she's like this wild little gremlin, uh, and she likes snakes and rats and ferrets. She's always running around barefoot and like playing in the mud and, you know. I feel like she has one good line in the... There's like one moment I really liked in a film that I can't recall now, but yeah, in general, she's just kind of there. Yeah, pretty uninteresting. Yeah. Sydney, I also thought was far less interesting in the movie. Really? Um, yeah, I loved Sydney in the I, film. I, I thought he was kind of just. I thought they kind of just reduced him to like. I'm just glad he wasn't played by boss. Stanley Tucci. I'll tell you, because uh, yeah, oh my fair. god, when I saw him and his, then when we found <laughs> out he was secretly gay, I was like, this. They wanted Stanley Tucci for this role. He's just not British. But although that's not stopped him before, so I don't know. Uh, that was that the glasses and the yeah. just everything. He's a publisher. I was like, this is like a Stanley Tucci role to a freaking T. Uh, and I was I was just glad it wasn't Stanley Tucci because I thought Matthew Good was great. Um, I really liked Sydney in the movie. I, again, without having read the book, I, I can yeah, believe that I, he's I could, less interesting. Yeah, than he was I, in the and movie I could see book, that but. for just having yeah. watched the movie, but also having read the book. 
you know, I thought the movie kind of reduced him to like nagging boss. Kind oh, of. really? Yeah. I did not get that at all. He seemed uh, to me again for my again, uh, again, not comparing him to the book, but just he he I thought their relationship was adorable. Like I really liked their relationship. He did not strike me as nagging boss at all. I loved how he like because there's like those little moments where like he calls and he is nagging her but he like lets her do it and like he's yeah. like having his assistant cross out things on the he's like oh, get rid of that day of events we're not doing that and like you know he's used to her because they're friends and i really liked their relationship in the film i i thought i thought they were great and again i think it's elevated a lot by matthew good's performance mm-hmm. i thought he was fantastic uh, as this character but um but yeah i again i'm sure he was more interesting in the film but or in the book but i i really liked him in the movie uh talk about the mark of it all um and i think you're probably gonna disagree with me know, but maybe. that's fine yeah. uh so in the book mark is pretty much just a rich asshole mm. uh he's dismissive and controlling uh, every interaction with him was kind of frustrating because it was impossible to understand what Juliet saw in him other than his being handsome and fabulously wealthy. And she doesn't even seem like the type to be into that stuff per se. Uh, and I also thought it was an interesting portrayal because I felt like one of the main theses of the story seemed to be people are complicated and we shouldn't paint anyone with broad brushstrokes see christian the nice nazi yeah um and the movie seems to be attempting something more nuanced with his character and, and more layered for me it didn't succeed okay i felt like for you it did yes um for Mostly. me for me it didn't work and i think the reason that it didn't work was because i could see like the hints here and there of his character from the book but then it was all like butted up against like these other moments where he's just like kind of fine and okay i think that's where the movie falls short yeah and i was left like kind of not knowing how i was supposed to feel about him i agree with that and at that point i'd rather have a character that's fun to hate because he was a lot of fun to hate in the book yeah i the thing i liked about the movie is that you could see in contrast to what you said earlier where you're like i don't even know why she was with him like it doesn't seem like the kind of guy she'd be into it seemed it was impossible to understand what she saw in him other than him being handsy and and wealthy which doesn't seem like something she'd care about in the film i actually could see why she liked him he seems like a pretty nice guy and i think he is you know a pretty nice guy i I, my biggest problem with the movie with mark in the movie is that they did and i don't think it's a huge problem because i again people it's like you said we're we're not supposed to kind of no no any one person is just one person you know one thing they're not just nice or just an asshole or just whatever um it's definitely part of what we're doing in in the in the film here uh, and in this story in general um I kind of wish they hadn't done like any of the like him being controlling stuff or at least less of it in the book or in the film, Um, because there is the one like the scene where he shows up and she's not wearing the ring. I think it's understandable. You know, it's understandable for him to be like disappointed and upset that she's like, like, why are you not wearing the engagement ring? I got you, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. we got engaged things seemed fine when we when like you know uh, uh three weeks ago or whatever when we got engaged and you were leaving and you know it's it's also like they've been together for six months it's not like they were this isn't like yeah. an, a, a spur of the moment like thing they had been dating for six months you know um and that sort of thing so but uh, i kind of wish they had avoided 
slipping into like, well, he's like, oh, he, I don't remember exactly the, the whole conversation, but when he confronts her about the ring, the initial like anger is a little bit justified or, you know, understandable at least of being like, why aren't you wearing a ring kind of thing. But then it goes a little beyond that. And he starts slipping into that, like more like controlling dickhead kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, and I wish they had just not done that because I actually really liked, I think they, if that scene on the cliffside with the ring confrontation had been nuanced slightly differently, massaged a little bit differently, I think I would have preferred it because I love, I would have preferred the idea that like she just realizes that they don't really have that much in common. Because yeah. again, six months is not no time, but it's also not that long. Yeah. And I think her just kind of realizing, oh, I actually just have way more in common with Dawsey. Right. Like, we actually like just are like kind of perfect for each other in a, in a way. Uh, and like we have a lot more in common and that sort of thing. And realizing like I actually don't really have that much in common with <laughs> Mark. Mm-hmm. And like we don't like I was kind of enamored with him because he's handsome and he's from America and he's you know he's got money and he could treat me to stuff. But like again, that's not really important to her. But it's still nice. Like even if it's not yeah. important to her, she like and enjoys and going. You know, to... It's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And, and in a six month relationship, yeah. maybe that's all we're worried about. Yeah. And so I think it would have been nice for them to for for like just to almost completely nix the part where he kind of starts getting weird and controlling in yeah. the middle there at, because I think his kind of you know asshole at the end when she breaks off the engagement is like much more reasonable like, yes. I think that's like much more understandable yeah, he's, hurt. he's hurt he's hurt he's angry, kind of lashing you know? out and even then he's not like a huge dick he's yeah. just like he just kind of lashes out he just out lashes and out then... because he's hurt yeah yeah in, in kind of an understandable way and so I wish this middle scene where he like again the whole ring confrontation yeah was handled a little bit differently because I do like the idea of this just not being I always like think because generally I'm a like I'm a maybe I'm an optimist, but I think most people are pretty good people, most of them. And uh, and I like the idea of like, yeah, you just realize like we're not we probably shouldn't be together. Like, I just like this guy a lot more because we mm-hmm. have a lot more in common. We don't really have that much in common. Let's break it off. And uh, I like that. A- I would have liked that aspect. And again, that is mostly what the movie does. Um, I think they could have just tweaked it a little bit, but I also, I think, I think that, uh, what you're saying, I, I can also enjoy just like hating a character. Yeah. Like, that's fine too. Yeah. And the, the argument over the engagement ring was definitely like the most, yeah. like the closest to his book portrayal that yeah. the movie gets. And what's doubly interesting to me about the movie's failure to nail this kind of more like nuanced take and maybe do something closer to what you're describing where she just realizes like, I don't actually have anything in common with this guy because spoilers, she doesn't. Yeah, no. Is that I think the material for that was already in the book and they just didn't use what they needed to use because one of the things with Mark that also made him fun to hate was that he is not only not interested in the things that she's interested in, but he makes zero effort to understand why she's interested in them to him. It's just silly. Right. You know, and I think too, that they already had kind of a perfect ending to a relationship like that again, already in the book So in the book, Juliet was actually previously engaged to someone else Mm. closer to the beginning of the war, but she ends up breaking that engagement off. And the catalyst 
that made her realize that she and this guy were not good for each other was when he moves into her apartment and he she comes back and he has packed up all of her books into boxes to put them into storage and has instead displayed all of his sports trophies on her bookshelves. And, that she, yeah. and she's immediately like, this is not going to work. Yeah. And I think they could have done something similar. I, I, to me, that that veers back too close into the being an asshole thing. Like, to me, for what I was kind of getting from what the movie was trying to do and what I was hoping it was doing and what it mostly does of, of him just of them just not really having much in common Packing up somebody else's shit and then putting your shit there is like an asshole move. It's like, a dick move. It's an asshole move. I agree. But I think if the if the actor played it right. Yes, that's true. It could come across more as like, oh, I, I was just moving my stuff in and I didn't think you'd mind. Right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that we have a lot more in common than we actually do. Right. Because I don't really know you all that yes. well. No, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I No, I agree with that entirely. I agree that, yeah, it, it definitely could have been done in a way that worked for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I think that I think that could have something like that could have been interesting. Like I said, I, I still mostly like the movie because there's another little detail early in the movie that I really enjoyed. There's a little moment where they go to that first party where she's in. She buys that fancy yellow dress mm -hmm. or whatever, and they go to this gala event or whatever mm -hmm. where again that's why i think he's a diplomat because he's always like hobnobbing like all these yeah. rich people and stuff he doesn't seem like I mean, again, maybe he's a general or something but i think they say he's a diplomat um and he's like you know he's he's like talking to all these people and we get this shot of her sitting at the table just like bored yeah. out of her mind like it yeah. just clearly is not clearly interested does in this. not want to be, be there it's just like this is you know and so I, I enjoyed that, uh, and I and I think some more moments like that throughout could have been good. But I, again, overall, I like mostly what the movie does with the Mark relationship. Um, I think it works pretty well. I think it could have been tweaked a little bit, and you just preferred the book's version. So yeah, there you go. Time to find out what Katie thought was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. I liked the scene where they have to sneak into the boarded up bookstore and like steal books in the dead of the night for their book club. Yes. In the book, the bookstore is just like still open. So oh. they like are sneaking, still... sneaking books like they're buying them and sneaking them to Amelia's house. Right. Um, but I liked the like clandestine yeah. dead of the night reconnaissance mission yeah. to get some books. Yeah. Uh, well, you mentioned the public proposal from mm -hmm. Mark, uh, very on brand for him Yeah, uh, in both the book and the movie, I think. To be fair, Juliet also proposes publicly at the end true, of the film. True, true. <laughs> or the film, at least. I guess Although the book, I would I say she's proposing in public and he's doing a public proposal. Yes, I would agree with that for sure. Because like she doesn't make a big show of getting yeah. down on her knee and blah 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 and like yeah and like garnering attention right. and yes yeah, which is what makes a public proposal. Right. Uh, mentioned the movie truncating the storyline. Really enjoyed that. By the way, public proposals can be fine. They can be fine as long as you know for sure that your partner is on board with that. Yes. <laughs> like if it's like a thing you know, like they would like a public proposal or like that you know. Yeah. You have to be very sure. Well, if you know that it is your partner's dream <laughs> yes. for you to get down on one knee in, in front, front of, of the yes. castle at Disneyland, right. 
Yes. Go forth and go with God. Yes. Well, just wanted to make that clear. Like, it's not, you know, it's not that public proposals are always bad. It's just that if you don't know for sure that your partner wants a public proposal, you should not yeah. do a public proposal. And I actually, I think this this particular proposal is a good example yes. of how they can be very bad. Yeah. Because it, you can tell in that moment She's she like, feels very pressured to yeah, say yes to him. Kind of taken aback, like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. And, like, all these people watching, and she feels like she cannot say no in yeah. that moment moment probably well and also there's the weird like she's le- like leaving it's like yeah. it's just like a whole a bunch of layers of yeah yeah i mentioned the movie truncating the storyline i did appreciate that although there were things that i liked about the like longer format of the book uh, i appreciated that we just kind of moved things along at a speedy pace in the film i liked when juliet first shows up and she meets eben and yeah. she like recognizes his name and she's like, I'm here to meet you, the inventor of the potato <laughs> peel pie. And he's like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, the movie made some like tiny little character. I'm going to call them enhancements to Isola okay. and to like lean into the kind of like witchiness she of her great. character. I love her. I loved her in the book, too. No, she's great. In the, yeah, yeah, she's, she's great in fantastic. Movie. Played by, I didn't even realize this is this actress, which is a show I've never watched and never will. I've tried like four times and I just, I don't get it. The IT crowd. She's like the main <laughs> woman in the IT crowd. Uh, uh-huh. She's like, there's like the three main characters or whatever. She's like the redheaded woman. I did not even realize I've that was I've never her. watched that either. I literally just like was like, I wonder who this actress is. And I clicked on it. I was like, oh my God, it's, uh, what's her name from the IT crowd? And I've, I've tried to watch IT crowd fans. Don't, I don't care. I've tried <laughs> to watch it. Like for, I like most British that, like TV show that I've watched. I've tried the IT crowd several times. I do not understand why people like it at all. I'm sorry. I just don't get it at all. <laughs> it does nothing for me. I don't think Juliet ever actually eats potato peel pie in the book. I think they talk about it, but oh, I don't yeah. think she ever she, like, actually it, eats it. Try it. Yeah, so, so I appreciated that she got to taste it mm-hmm. in the movie, even though she didn't like it, apparently. I like that we see uh, a couple times in the movie Dozzy giving her like... These kind of like simple, homesy little flower bouquets mm-hmm. that he picks himself. I liked that as a contrast to like yes. the big, um, big bombastic. His big bombastic. Oh, this like, island needs a florist. Yeah, yeah. overly styled yeah. bouquets of red roses that he's always giving yeah, her. Yeah, we see this shot early in the movie where she walks into a room and there's like 50 yeah. bouquets around the room. And it's, yeah. And the book, um, Jane, the the woman who died, who was Elizabeth's friend, um, yes. who died in labor, was, <laughs> was actually in, in the book. She's Eben's daughter. Oh, um, but okay. I liked that the movie switched this to her being Amelia's daughter. I thought it gave Amelia a more personal connection to everything going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and es- especially because Amelia ended up being. Um, kind of more the center of things yeah um and the center of like some of the the hesitancy and the anxiety around yeah yeah, the tension Uh, i liked changing the backstory of how dozzy and christian became friends to having christian help dozzy deliver a calf Uh, so the book details this entire plot point about how the village started using seawater to cook their food because they didn't have any salt. 
So they were like, maybe if we use ocean water, it'll like impart some flavor I mean, on the potatoes. Why, why Seems like sound reasoning yeah. to me. Um, so they, they start doing this. So Dazi rigs up this contraption. Famously, when you boil pasta, and, you, and I think potatoes similarly, you want to salt the water until it tastes like the sea. Yeah. So I would, I, imagine I, would, it would, I would imagine it would yeah. work. Yeah. Um, but so Dazi, uh, he rigs up this contraption using an old baby pram and a wine keg with a spigot on it to collect ocean water and deliver it to people in the town who weren't able to haul it in themselves. Uh, and then one day it like breaks down as he's trying to do this and Christian helps him fix it. Uh, it it's an interesting little like, right. I, I guess, historical tidbit thing. Like, yeah. it, like it's interesting flavor. Right. But it's more complicated Way than the too, movie yeah. probably wanted yeah. to spend time on. Yeah. Just have him deliver a calf. It's fine. Perfect. Great. If the movie was always going to cut Remy and her letter about Elizabeth, I think having Mark be some kind of military personnel who is able to look for her works well. Oh, so he's not in the military at no, all. He, no, not that I know okay. of. Um, I mean, I know you I, said he was like a rich kid or whatever, but I, I thought. I mean, maybe I, he would I also assume have... he is in some capacity because most able-bodied men were, and also at to be in the UK, I think probably yeah, yeah. Like, a reason to be but there. Yeah. Mostly, what we know about him is that his dad owns a bunch of businesses. Um, one of which is actually a, like a rival publishing business, and Sydney initially thinks that Mark is trying to like lure Juliet away as an author, oh. um, but it turns out he's just romantically interested in her. Okay, um, but yeah, he's just like a rich kid gotcha. in the book. I like that we see Eli give uh, Elizabeth's grandfather's uh, military medal to Dozzy. Yeah, um, just as he's about to go tell Kit about her mother. Yeah, that was a really cute little moment. Yeah, because just to explain for people who don't who haven't read or watched, if you're listening, the um, earlier in the film, uh, Eli is the grandson of Eben, who's the old the old guy in the literary society. Um, and Eben, or not, and and during the war at one point, they sent, like before, they, they knew all the, the Germans were going to come occupy mm -hmm. the island, so they sent all the kids away or something Yeah, they like evacuated that. the children, which was yeah. something that they did in the UK yeah. in the Second World War. So they, sh they shipped all the kids off the island, and Eben... Uh, Eli, the kid, was very nervous about this, obviously, because he was like five or something mm -hmm. at the time. Very nervous about this. So I believe Eben, no, Elizabeth, Elizabeth gives it to him. Yeah. Elizabeth gives this little kid her, her father's, I think, uh, her grandfather's. It's either father's or grandfather's. She said it was from World War One. Yeah. Uh, this like medal, basically, that war medal that her father or grandfather got in World War One to Eli and says, hey, this will this will make you brave. Yeah. But you got to rub it and it makes you brave. And when we see it later in the movie, uh, it's all like rubbed smooth from the from Eli having rubbed it the whole time. And when he finds out or when they find out about Elizabeth and that she's died, Eli's like, you know, nine or ten or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now he gives it to Dawsey to give to Kit so that she can have it to be brave. It's a it's a very cute little moment. Yeah. Um, so also on the subject of uh, Remy um, is the metal. Sorry, real quick. Is the metal in the book at all? Yes. So the, the first part of that is. Yes. In there, the first part of, of that like is Elizabeth in there. giving it. to Yeah. Eli. And okay. we do eventually find out that he gave it back to Kit. I think we see it like in her treasure box later. Uh, OK. Um, but I, I liked that the movie made like yeah, a like, specific yeah. point of him passing it on yeah, yeah, to yeah. her. For sure. Um, on the subject of Remy. Um, <laughs> I this was never going to be in the movie because that character got cut, which is a good thing, um, because I, I liked that we cut the bit at the end where Isola, the end of this book got really 
just off the rails. Um, Isola randomly decides she reads like a Miss Marple book and she's like, I'm going to be a detective. Um, And she starts looking for things to detect. Uh, and she goes she goes looking for clues because she gets this idea that Dozzy is in love with Remy. Um, and so Dozzy she loves Remy. Yeah, so she goes like looking for clues. Is Remy a, a woman or a man? I don't a, care. A woman. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I realized I had not real like you never <laughs> said earlier when you said Remy, I was and I don't know. Because you said they're French, I have no idea if that's like yeah. a, traditionally a boy or girl's name in French. I don't know. Uh, I feel like it can be both. I feel like I've heard. Both. I, I think it can be. I think maybe with a Y, it's maybe feminine. Yeah, usually, maybe. Whereas with and it like is a, spelled with a Y here. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but so she goes looking for clues uh, that Dazi is in love with Remy, and instead she finds clues that he's in love with Juliet. Um, like she finds like Juliet's handkerchief that he's kept and like this all the like other stuff, but she doesn't make the connection. She's just like, oh dang, I didn't find any uh, evidence that he's in love with Remy. That feels Juliet probably with, wants her handkerchief back though. That feels in. That, I will say that feels uh, in in line with Isola's character. It does. Yeah. She's kind of like, kind of a little loopy, a little like you know. Yeah. Uh, not, it doesn't necessarily put like A, B, and C yeah, together all the time. A, a little kooky. She has a great line in the movie where they're they have I don't remember the, exactly what is said, but um, there uh when when Dawsey shows up to the the Guernsey Literary Society when Juliet's mm-hmm. there for the first time, Dawsey walks in and they look at each other and they're like, oh, they're like we've met already or whatever, and he solo's like you've met. <laughs> And they're like, yeah, earlier in the and, and Dazi or, or or Elizabeth, one of them says, yeah, earlier in the in the square, uh, he he she almost or I almost killed her with a shingle or something like that. And he solo goes, oh, I thought you meant in a past life, and just like walks away. And it's just like <laughs> she's fantastic. Yeah, uh, I was also totally fine with losing the side plot about. Isola, at one point, she pulls out all of these letters that belonged to her great-grandmother, um, and then it's revealed that they were written by Oscar Wilde, and so she owns all of these letters written by Oscar Wilde, and then they're going to, like, publish them, but then Sydney's assistant is a double agent who tries to steal them for a rival publication, but is they thwart her plan. Is it Mark's family's publication or Mark's dad's? Publication? No, oh, okay. um, no. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a different <laughs> rival publication. Yes, it's it's a rival publication of. So at the way at the beginning of the book, uh, Juliet has like an interview with this guy who's like a. Uh, I want to say a muckraker, but I don't think that's quite right. He's he's like a tabloid mm. writer. Um, and yellow he wants, journalist. Yes, yellow journalist. He wants to write something scandalous about her. Um, and he tries to, like, have this interview with her to, like, look for a scoop. Um, and then she ends up getting mad and, like, throwing a teapot at him. Um, and then this lady at the end who was Sydney's assistant was like a double agent working with him and they were going to steal these letters so that they could get the scoop before Sydney's business did. But then I'm they, but lost. then they thwart it and it, it, the whole thing, I was just like, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the end of this book got real wild It's just like. Pun felt, intended. Felt like really wild with an E. <laughs> yes. It felt like we weren't really sure 
what we were doing. Yeah. I liked the little shot in the movie of Juliet clearing all of the piles of flowers from Mark out of her apartment. Mm-hmm. And just like setting them all in the hallway. Yeah. Uh, I liked the moment after she gets her manuscript done and she hands it to Sydney and he goes, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Christ, that's a mouthful. Yep. I liked that we just acknowledged that. A little bit that. of meta moment there of the, <laughs> yeah, all of the yeah the screenwriters and everybody involved in this film being like, uh, all right. <laughs> As we said in the prequel, there's no way they didn't discuss what the yes. heck to call this movie a thousand times. And I also really liked uh, when when Dozzy is is going to go run to to get Elizabeth, and he's going to get on the ferry and go get her. Uh, I really liked Eben's line: "Don't let her marry that yank." <laughs> Don't let her marry that yank. And he, I love that he gives uh, he gives him he gives Dozzy his tie. He's like, yeah. you need, if you're going to go propose, you need a tie. It's great. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the handful of things that the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. Uh, We can see at the beginning of the movie Juliet's uh, kind of weariness and discomfort with touring and giving talks as an author. She doesn't Mm -hmm. really care for it in the book either. No, she just wants to sit in her room and write. Yeah. As she said, it it says in in that, in one of the, (laughs) the little speeches or talks she gives, she's... Uh, writing's the perfect job. I just get to drink tea and sit in my yeah <laughs> sit sit in my office all day. Uh, Mark is always sending her flowers in the book. That is something they took directly from the book. Uh, the dress that she buys herself, uh, it's described as peach in the book, and I feel like it's more of a yellow gold color in the movie. It's definitely like yellowy gold. Yeah, yeah, but there is like a point near the beginning where she goes and she buys herself her first new dress in like five years because no one was buying anything new during the war. Uh, Cause we're, you know, we were conserving fabric and, and everything for the war effort. And it, it's kind of like a big moment for her. So I liked that we at least saw a little bit of that in mm-hmm. the movie. Um, there's a, a line and it, it happened really quick in the movie. I don't know if you caught it when the Germans are like marching in into Guernsey and they're like marching down the street and I, Eben or somebody says, we beat them back before, and here they are again. How did we let this happen? Mm, no, I missed that. Yeah. Um, and I do think that's kind of like, I feel like that is one of those aspects of the Second World War that I feel like doesn't often get acknowledged by, like, media, that, like, they literally just did that, like, 20 years ago, and now we're doing it again. Yeah. Was it Germ? I don't know. I don't know enough about World War One to know. Wasn't yeah, it Bavaria it was, at the time. Just Germ. I mean, the the German Empire. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they had a Kaiser then, but it was yeah. the Germans. That's fair. Yeah. Or yeah. I, I again, I just don't know. I know the the German history of Germany is very complicated. Right around that time period. Yes. So like, I yeah. Don't think, and like, the yeah. history of how World War One got started yeah, is also yeah. very complicated. Yeah. Um, we talked about that. Uh, we do see Kit's uh, treasure box in both the book and the movie, and she has like a little picture of Elizabeth in it, and she's like, "This is my mom. Wasn't she pretty?" Oh yeah, the little treasure box. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, we got a handful of odds and ends before we get to the final verdict. I love in the beginning of the movie, she gets the letter from 
<laughs> from Dawsey, and it's like this letter explaining the backstory of the literary society. And she's reading this thing, and it just goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. But I swear in the film it appears to be one page front and back. But she reads <laughs> it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I'm like, there's just no way. You don't see her like turning pages at any yeah. point or like pulling pages off. I swear it's one page, but it's it's like forever long. I was like, there's no <laughs> way that all fit. And we see the writing. It's not like tiny writing. Uh, I just thought that was funny. I also thought that when it was revealed that Amelia... Um, there's this one point early, not early, like kind of in the middle of the film after we find out like the whole thing with like, uh, Amelia or, uh, um, Elizabeth being gone and off the Island and like, don't look into it. And but there's this moment and there's one interaction in particular between Amelia and Juliet that made me think that Amelia knew Elizabeth was dead. Like maybe mm -hmm. she got a letter or something mm, and was like keeping, and it, was from keeping it from everybody because she just couldn't face it or mm -hmm. even admit it to herself, really. And I thought that was going to be an interesting kind of like twist that she had known the whole time. Mm -hmm. And like I said, just couldn't really kind of face it. Uh, I don't think that is, that is not the case in the movie, but I thought that would have been interesting. I uh, was wondering where the mystery element was going to be when I was reading the book. Right. Um, and I guess the movie kind of made like what happened to Elizabeth. Yeah, that's the mystery. Be the big mystery. Although and I like who is Kit and like, yeah, kind of it, I one of the reviews that you read from in yes. the prequel described the movie as quote, both an old fashioned romance and a detective story trumpeting gender equality. And I'm not sure I would describe it as either of the last two things. Uh, uh, the detective story, like, very minimally. Yeah, maybe a little. I mean, she does some detective work and is, like, trying to figure this out. Yeah. So, like, sure, there's a little bit of mystery there. But trumpeting gender equality, there are some very minimal, like, allusions to, like, women, you know, kind of yeah. being more assertive or blah. And, like, the, you know, the big climax of her proposing to him. Right. Like, there's some stuff in there that is definitely, like, kind of progressive gender politics, but it is not, like, trumpeting gender <laughs> equality. Like, I don't... Would not I, describe it no, that way at all. No, not at all. I don't know. I thought that was interesting, because I, I didn't know anything about the movie. Yeah. And then when you read that that quote i was like i was reading the book and i was like where's the mystery yeah because there's not really a mystery in the book i would say yeah i mean there's definitely like i said the movie definitely does amp up the mystery to kind of add it and it's pretty obvious like as soon as you like find out like initially you're like they're like she's off island you're like okay well what's going on there but then mm -hmm. once you they find you find out she was arrested you're like oh she's dead like she yeah. definitely got killed <laughs> like you yeah. know like it's like there's no mystery like when he shows up with a letter and they're like, yeah, she was killed in the concentration camp. There, there was no surprise. That yeah. was like, oh yeah, obviously like she would have been back. You would have heard from something would have happened at this point. We're like more than a year removed from the end of the war. Like you probably would have heard something at this point. Like I, again, I just was not surprised at all by the fact that she was dead, but there was a little bit of mystery for a bit. And like the, you know, the reveal of Kit's father and all that sort of stuff was mysterious. It's to some extent mysterious ish. Yeah. Uh, there's this there's this moment uh, and it's the moment where she leaves Charlotte's uh, residence where Juliet is she storms or she comes back and, and Charlotte's going through her stuff or whatever. And at, at the beginning of the movie, Charlotte, when she showed up and checked in, Charlotte, like put the Bible on her end table and like, mm -hmm. you know, like, look, there's a yeah. Bible here. She's very religious. And there's this moment at the end of the film where 
uh, she grabs the, like something like Charlotte has the Bible and is like chastising her or whatever mm-hmm. and holding the Bible. And Juliet grabs the Bible and says, here's a book filled with love and you overlook it all for judgment. And I was like, boy, have I got news <laughs> for you about what else that book is full uh, of? Like, I just was yeah. like, I, look, sure. There's, there's, there's some fine stuff in the Bible, but there's a lot of not fine stuff in the I was like, I don't, I don't know if you like put them on scales. I don't know which one I would say outweighs the other, but I'd have a, I have a, I would hang, feel, I, have an I would feel pretty comfortable making a yes. guess. <laughs> yes, I have an inkling of of which one of those things the Bible is more full of. Uh, but sure, okay, uh, I did appreciate that uh, that the Guernsey people uh, in particular actually look like they none of them had makeup on at least yeah. during the occupation. Yeah, in like particular. in the flashback scenes. Yeah, for and sure. even in modern times, but like specifically during the occupation, like they're very specifically like. And again, obviously they're in a movie, so they're wearing makeup, but it's, right. they're doing the like no makeup look makeup where it's, it's you know, none of them have eyeshadow or eyeliner mm-hmm. or anything that would be, uh, it's, it's particularly striking because the only thing I've ever seen uh, Jessica Brown Finley in was Harlots, yes. where she's always wearing just tons of makeup, even when she's supposed to not be wearing makeup, she's wearing tons of makeup in that show. Uh, and so it was very striking to see her without like any makeup. It was very noticeable, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I appreciated that kind of like, you know, historical accuracy, yeah, kind of I guess. Realism, we'll yeah. call it. Uh, and then uh, Isola's cottage was just so fucking cozy. She has all this like, I assume it's juniper because I think that's what they make gin out of because mm-hmm. they say she makes gin. Yeah. And I think Juniper, I can't remember. Yeah, she has like bundles of herbs. Like, like herbs and stuff. Everywhere and, and she also makes ceiling. a bunch of different flavors of gin, yeah. I say. So, but she has all these like, and it, and her, it looks so cozy. I was like, I, I would like to live everything there. Everything I could ever want. Yes. <laughs> in a little cottage kitchen. Yes. It's delightful. Um, I, I noticed something halfway through watching this movie that oh. I didn't notice reading the book. <laughs> Um, and then once I noticed it, I couldn't unnotice it. I was like, okay, so we have a big city career woman who who leaves her big city career for a small town uh, in the process, falling in love with a local farmer and eventually leaving her wealthy big city fiance for him. Is this a Hallmark Christmas movie? Yes. It is. It's just a good one. It's just a particularly well done one. Uh, but yes, that is literally what the, the, that plot. I mean, you're not wrong. That is beat for beat, basically, what is going on here. It's just incredibly well done compared yeah, yeah. to like every Hallmark movie. There's this great moment late in the movie, and it's right before she breaks up with Mark, where she is uh, sitting in her room or something thinking about something and uh, Juliet is and she she starts crying and there's this great cut where she's 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 like welling up and then a tear rolls down her cheek and then drops off her face and we cut and match cut to an olive dropping into a martini mm. at the party that her and Mark are going to or whatever I thought that was fantastic. It's the, one of the only moments like that in the movie. Yeah. It's a very like kind of, you know, straightforwardly shot and edited film for the most part. But the, and uh, so it's maybe a little out of place. I think you could argue, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> they had this like kind of interesting match cut with her tear to the olive and the martini kind of juxtaposing the 
the emotionality of these two moments of like, you know, she is like in this very like stark and mm-hmm. emotionally vulnerable. vulnerable place. And then it's like this big bombastic like party, the martinis and olive straw. And anyways, I thought that was great. Uh, and then my final note before we get to your final verdict is what kind of my final verdict here, uh, you know, very short is that I, I thought this is like a very sweet movie. It's like a fantastic little romance. It's not saying anything particularly profound. Uh, I would not say that it is a masterpiece by any stretch. You know, it's not, uh, you know, comparing it to a romance we did as a bonus episode not that long ago, something like Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I mm-hmm. would say that is kind of like transcendent, like mm-hmm. masterpiece of the form, whereas this is just like a very good <laughs> romance movie <laughs> but it is it's a delightful little period romance that knows exactly what it is it's doing exactly what it needs to it knows it's a hallmark christmas movie <laughs> and it says let's just be the best hallmark christmas movie you could be like it is just like you know and it's just i think it does a very good job of that i was delighted watching this movie like i th- mm-hmm. I liked it a lot more than i thought i would mm-hmm. again i'm not gonna i wouldn't say that it's like amazing or anything but it, it's it knows what it's trying to do and it does it really well. So before we get to your final verdict, we wanted to remind you all that you can do us a giant favor by heading over to social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, any of those places, leave us your feedback. Let us know what you thought about Guernsey literary and potato peel society. We'll talk about that on our next prequel episode. Uh, also you will, if you could head over to, you know, Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the show, drop us a little five-star rating, write us a little review. That would be super helpful. We'd appreciate that. And if you really want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Give us a few bucks a month, uh, $2 a month. You get access to bonus or not bonus content. You get access to early access and ad free when we do eventually have ads. At $5 and up, you get access to bonus content, uh, which every month we put out a bonus episode. We're a little behind. We're going to get to that in the next week. Uh, We're doing Anastasia for August, and then we'll get to September shortly thereafter. But we will have that. And then at the $15 and up level, you get access to priority recommendation, which this one was from... This was a recommendation from Teresa Schwartz, a.k.a. my mom. (laughs) A.k.a. Katie's mother. Thank you. We appreciate it, uh, all the support from everybody, and in particular for requesting this one, because that was I, like I said, I quite enjoyed this movie. But let's see what Katie thought in her final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first, verdict afterward. I think both the book and the movie are pretty good. Like you said, they're both delightful little period romances that know what they are and they're doing what they need to do. The movie definitely reigns in the plot. The book gets especially wayward near the end. Once we know what happened to Elizabeth, the story kind of meanders and dips its toes into random side plots until Juliet and Dozie finally admit that they love each other. And I'll be honest that as far as epistolary novels go, I tend to prefer diary format over letters. However, I think one of the central goals of this story was to explore all these different characters and how they were made into who they are by the war going on around them, as well as by who was around them. And I think that the book had an obvious advantage there. Its more expansive nature allowed it to dive more deeply into the characters and what happened to them than the movie ever had a chance of achieving. 
I also think that the book dug into the historical setting a bit more than the movie did. The movie's exploration of this specific facet of the Second World War sometimes got serious, but it often felt more like glorified set dressing to me. So while the movie was definitely a fun watch, it's for those reasons that I'm going to give this one to the book. All right, Katie, what's next? Up next, uh, we have a Switch episode, and you will be reading... Thunderball! Thunderball! <laughs> yes, we are doing our very first James Bond yeah. film and book. Uh, novel by Ian Fleming and 1965 film. It's an interesting place to start. Uh, this is a patron request, yes, right? We'll talk about that. This was a patron request. We'll talk about that, obviously, in the next prequel episode. Uh, but this was a patron request. I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, wonder why they chose Thunderball. Um, as the first one, it's obviously because it's not the first James Bond novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the first film. Uh, maybe it's their favorite. I don't know. We'll find out, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested to see. I've seen Thunderball when I was quite young. I don't know. Probably like 12, 10, something. I don't know. I saw it as a child. Uh, I have not seen it since then, I don't think. But I, I'm interested to check it out. I've never read a single James Bond novel. I have not only never read a single James Bond novel, I've never seen a single James Bond film. So interesting. I will. This will be interesting for me. I don't. I'm going to venture to guess to say you probably won't love it. But uh, these older ones are there, you know, of their time of their time for Mm. sure. Uh, I'm more of a fan of the modern like of the Daniel Craig films personally, like in Mm -hmm. terms of like as we'll get into it but i i i I, there's things i like about the older james bonds for sure i liked them a lot as a kid i thought there was a lot of fun stuff in them um but they're definitely you know they're definitely of their time so that'll be interesting to discuss and see how it compares to the book so that's our next episode in two weeks time we're talking about thunderball but in one week's time we'll be previewing thunderball and seeing what all of you had to say about the guernsey literary society potato peel pie society i always put the society in there twice until that time Guys, gals, non-binary pals, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep being awesome. Awesome.